thing? Yeah, we're going to be looking at, um, in light of that, okay? We're going to be actually looking at various verses, okay? So more than one verses. So it's going to be, we're going to just do a series and looking at a biblical doctrine of sin. Other times in the past, with uh, Tuesday Bible study, we've also done uh, maybe uh, hopefully a little bit more in-depth look at even salvation. But I thought it would be good just looking with sin first. So I actually um, have some things planned uh, with that. Uh, some of the future, I just try to organize it. And this is all, by the way, preparation to teach overseas, okay? Uh, so today we're going to look at the topic of what? The fall and, and sin, okay? Uh, the origin of sin, uh, okay? And the fall of man. Uh, other things that I'm going to look at next, uh, the next few weeks is I actually want to look at like even the Greek and Hebrew words for sin because there's many words for sin and just the shade of meaning. So that way, even later on, for instance, if you were to read your own scripture or do a study and then this might be a helpful Alan said, oh, what is that word? What is the origin? What is the word study of that? And it's, okay, I see this word, but which one is it? Oh, this is the meaning with that, okay? And the other thing I also want to do is also look at the theme of hardening hearts. Um, for my own personal study, hardening hearts is actually one of those interesting things, uh, especially seen in the Old Testament. Uh, I think the, the first time it appears, I don't think, it, the first time it appears in the book of Exodus. But I think its richness comes from actually seeing it in the context of, what do you call that? The Egyptian uh, beliefs. When I think when God used that term, the Hebrew term, it actually is also a way of making fun of that. So I don't know if you ever hear this. Sometimes people will say things like, uh, God is so mean, He hardens people's heart. But I think actually when you see the original context, it's not God just do it out of nowhere. It's actually a judgment upon a previous sin. But it's also, I think in the context, you see also God is has some humor, or not humor, an irony of what it is in in Egyptian usage. It's actually a good thing to be hardened. But now God's going to use that very same thing they used to be against God and turn it around. Okay, so we'll look at that. The other thing I want to even look at is also, for instance, um, even uh, other ironies also as well, okay, uh, with, with different things. With sin. So just want to go in depth so that later on when we go to God's grace, we see, wow, His grace is really, really amazing, okay? One of the other things I want to look at is actually more in depth because you guys know there's actually some people out there right now in some seminaries that say things like, Christ did not die as a substitute for us, which I think is so clear in the New Testament. But there's some people that say that, and I also want to go over uh, in-depth so defense. Say that again? Okay. Yeah, there's some people out there that say that uh, Christ dying as a substitute, it is not a biblical idea, teaching as a substitute, which is so weird to me. How would anyone say Christ? And I think that's like New Testament 101, right? It's so built, like the right. idea of substitution for us in, in our place where right. He died for us. Um, there's some people that don't think he. Oh, don't think he did that. Yeah, they don't oh, think okay, that. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Or did you thought I said I don't believe that? Well, I wasn't. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Way you phrased it. I mean, oh, okay. Yeah, right. I phrased it probably a t double negatives or something. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, Christ did die for our sin. Right, I right, totally right. believe that. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, yeah, right. But that's good. Your radar comes up because that's one of those things. Well, yeah, I hope we yeah. never ever allow in any teaching or pulpit to say right that Christ did not die right. for our right. sins. Okay. Yeah, but it's. Yeah. Incredible, the liberal yeah. seminaries and Bible college. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in the Master Seminary uh, Facebook alumni page, there's actually these two guys that are arguing it's not because they want to get like liberal degrees elsewhere. So it's like, wow, I can't even believe. <laughs> you know, they should know better. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we'll talk about that when we get there, okay? So, in light of this, uh, by the way, the, one of the reasons why we want to go over sin is if you have a right view of sin, then therefore you would see God's grace is very what? Rich and gracious. That's why we want to go over that. Okay. Um, so in light of this, uh, in following the outline today, we will be looking at uh, two questions. Okay. What are two questions, Josh? Two questions. Yeah. On the, uh, on the outline. So we're going to be looking at sin and the fall of man. Okay. Do you see the two questions that we'll be answering? And by yeah, the way, the, each one will be broken down further. First question is what? Fall of man. Yeah. The first question is which one? Could you see? Uh, what led to the fall? Yeah, what led to the fall? And the second one is? What are the results of the fall? Yeah, so we're going to begin with the origin of human sins, okay? Well, I actually do think Satan sinned first before man, okay? Because Genesis, by the time we read Genesis 3, the serpent's already, what? Satan doing what? Uh, demonic activity, okay? Mm. Or going against God's will already, okay? But we're going to look at the fall in regards to the origin of sin for man and in the world mm. around us, okay? Mm. Um, I actually think sin did not impact the world in the way it is right now until man fell because man was supposed to take care of what the world. Then the earth got frustrated and there'll be thistles and all of that, okay? 
So what led to the fall? We're going to see here uh, three truths from Genesis 3, verses 1 to 6. Um, while we do this, uh, let's open up to Genesis 3. 3, uh, Yeah, let's actually each person read two verses. Is that okay? Uh, Mr. Byrne, would you sure. be able to begin? And then Josh, after you read two verses as well, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Okay, so Genesis 3, mm-hmm. 1 and 2. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the... Woman... Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from the tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. Okay. Uh, and verse 5 For God knows that in the day you eat from it Your eyes will be open, And you will be like God Knowing good and evil When the woman saw that the tree was good for food And that it was a delight to the eyes And that the tree was desirable to make one wise She took from its fruit and ate And she gave to her husband And with her, uh, with her and he ate Okay uh, So looking at this What we see led to the fall Is we're going to see three truths here Okay And by the way Why we want to look at this carefully Is because God's word did reveal uh, Josh, thank you so much for being a doorman. God did re- did reveal um, in His Word. Hey, Caleb. Okay. Uh, we're in Genesis 3, by the way. Uh, so I just sent out the outline earlier this afternoon. Okay. okay. So we're going to see three truths. And one, why we want to look really at the fall is because I think the more we have a biblical understanding of sin, the more we appreciate what? God's grace even more. Okay. Uh, if you were to go to the doctors, and then suddenly when you went to the doctors... Uh, they put you to sleep without you knowing. And then when, they, when you wake up, they say, Congratulations! And then you look, they ha- are missing an arm. How many of you guys would be pretty mad? I'd probably be unhappy. Yeah, pretty be unhappy, okay? Uh, because that person didn't tell you first what? The bad news. So when they say, Congratulations, you made it, you'll be like, What are you talking about? I'm missing an arm. Unless they tell you first what? Beginning with the bad news. Like, oh, you know what? You have a cancer. That's gangrene all over your arm, and it's reaching to your heart, and you're not going to survive, and we need to remove it right now, okay? So in the same way, uh, or even more, maybe more simpler, um, like a little child, okay? If I tell my daughters, if they're sick, like, you know what? Here, eat this uh, medicine. It is good. It, it tastes good for you. It is so, mm, look, I like it too. And then you give it to them, and they taste it like, oh, it's so bitter, okay? Uh, and, but you don't tell them the real reason why they need the medicine, would they eventually start taking it or be happy or take it on their own? Probably not, okay? Because they'll be like, it's very, very what? Bitter, awful sure, tasting. Sure, sure. Same thing also as well. Uh, we would never appreciate God's grace until what? We understand a biblical view of sin, okay? So that's why we need to have a biblical view of sin. And then uh, on top of that also as well is I think God saves us all by His grace. But then after we're saved by His grace, is the Christian life easy? Is a Christian life easy? No. Jesus says what? Even to pick up your, what? Cross, right, Cross. Josh? And follow me, what? Daily, okay? Daily. So we have to daily die to ourselves, our sinful nature, our flesh, okay? So here we begin with looking at this, uh, with sin. What led to the fall here is there's tr- three truths when you see of, of sin in the fall of man. Truth number one is this. There's a spiritual being that wants to attack Adam and Eve's relationship with God. And also our relationship with God. First look with me again in verses 1. Uh, verses 1 of Genesis 3. What, is, what does this say? Uh, what is this being called in verses 1? That talks to Eve or the woman. The what serpent. Is, the serpent, okay. Who is the serpent? Josh. Mm, Satan. Yeah. How do we know it's Satan? It's because put your pinky or thumb and turn to the very last book of the Bible. Revelation 12, 9. When we turn there, Caleb, would you be able to read Revelation 12, 9? Mm-hmm. 
great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who was called devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Yeah. So Revelation 12, 9 reveals that there is a serpent, and a serpent of what? Old. Okay. Right. Or another way of translating that Greek word yeah. is serpent of arche, or which is the what? Beginning. Okay. Uh, so in that light, when we see this, we see that, um, by the way, Greek translation of Genesis would, would be in the beginning or in the arcade. Okay, so when it says here, serpent of old, I think another way of thinking is a serpent of Genesis, okay, who's called the devil and Satan. So we, and he deceives the whole world, okay. The world has suffered the consequences of whose deception? Satan. He goes back there, okay. So we see here very clearly in line of verses 1. That who is this here? Is this is yeah, Satan himself? Yeah, it's a, a demonic being, a spiritual being, or unspiritual being, right? And notice the character of this individual. Verses one says what? Turn back with me to Genesis three, one. He was more crafty than any beast of the field mm. which the Lord has made. Okay. Uh, by the way, I don't think uh, uh, here is actually this is. I don't think it's actually talking about literal, real physical snake. Mm. Okay. Some people actually think that. Um, uh, snakes back then had feet, okay, mm. and it was only because of the curse they lost their feet. So then, I think some people picture is uh, you guys seen Monster Inc. the cartoon, right? Yeah. That what, what is that? Um, what is that creature? Game? Yeah, the one. Randall. Uh, Randall. Okay, <laughs> right. He has what feet, right? Uh, what was that? So I actually think uh, the snakes colors. crawling is not the result of of the curse because if you look, turn back with me to Genesis chapter one. If you look in verses 25, right? God made the beasts of the field after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind, okay? So animals creeping, such as serpents creeping, is not a result of what? The fall. Because even before the fall, was there already creeping things on the ground? Yes, okay? So when you go back to Genesis 3, when it says creeping, I actually think what is going on is um, Genesis. Uh, Moses is using the idea of even during the time period of the Middle East, that when an enemy win another a king, do you know what they usually do with an enemy king? They chop off the guy's arms and his legs and make him what? Crawl on the ground. Okay, before. That's pretty cruel, right? But that's what they often do to show they're victorious. Okay? So when it says later on, you know, right, that certain will be, if Satan will be cursed, that you'll be crawling, right? It's not talking about, oh, you're a snake. Okay? Um, so the characteristic is it's more crafty than any uh, other creatures made by God, okay? Um, and he's also able to speak, okay? By the way, if you see in the fall, he uses very few words. He uses an economy word to bring about the greatest fall, okay? Mm. If you had a question, Josh? Uh, should I point these parts out to my dad? I think my dad keeps on thinking all snakes are evil. Yeah, it's usually a symbol Right? Like, obviously, today, Christians, we don't use that, okay? But then later on, if you turn with me, to, uh, you know, like in John, right? John 3, it does talk about there's a serpent lifted up during the times of, uh, I think, Numbers 12, 5, uh, of they got bitten with that. So I don't think snakes are in of itself all bad. Obviously, we're scared of it, you know, right? Uh, it could bite, that kind of thing. Yeah, okay? I think I want to come back to these parts when I get back home. But at the same time, uh, serpents used as a symbol is not often not good in the Bible, okay? Okay. It's not often a good symbol. There are exceptions with that, okay? So here we see that. Notice the tactic of the tempter, okay? We're going to see the tactic of the tempter. There's uh, certain things he does, okay? We're going to see four of it, okay? First one is he questioned God's word. You see in verses 1, he said to the woman, what did he ask her? What do you ask the woman? Uh, Caleb? Uh, the first question? Yeah. What is the, yeah, his first question Indeed, in verses 1? Because God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Yeah, okay. So he begins first by questioning what God has said, okay? By the way, oftentimes when people attack doubt, right? It's the same thing when we fight sin. Most of the time, if someone comes up to you and be a devil worshiper, you would be like, oh, that's really weird, right? But remember how, if you guys were there on Sunday, we learned that even Jesus' temptation, it begins with what? A lie or a truth sure. that we want to hear, right. okay? So here we see, uh, it begins first with a question, okay? First begins with a question, so that if you were opposed, you're like, no, no, I'm not attacking. I'm just, what? Asking, okay? 
Then the second tactic is after some question, then Satan goes with direct denial of God's word. You see this in verses 4? The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not, what? Die, okay? Now, if Satan says in the beginning, you surely will not die, then what? Jesus, uh, uh, Adam and Eve would have been like, no, or Eve would have been like, no, that's what God's word says. So it begins first by asking question, right? Putting doubt. Then second one is a direct denial, okay? God's word is very clear. It says you will die if you eat of this. Because turn with me to Genesis 2.17. Genesis 2.17. Josh, would you be able to read Genesis 2.17? 2.17. But from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Okay. Notice the last part says what? You will what? Die. Just, does it say die only in your version? Josh. Surely. Yeah, surely. Okay. So then look back with me in Genesis uh, 3. Okay. Verses 4. Okay. Three four. Or, or Genesis three three. Uh, oh yeah, three four. Genesis three four. What does it say? The serpent said to woman, "You surely not die." Okay. Do you see? There's anything in common with these words? Surely. Surely and the word what die? Mm-hmm. Except Satan says the opposite, right? It says you will not, but the word of God, as said earlier, is what you will what die. Do you guys see that? Okay. So the strategy of Satan is at first a, a question it. And then it goes deliberately, put the very opposite, okay? And notice he's no longer saying maybe, he says what? With certainty, when he says with the word what? Surely you will not die, okay? There's a, there's a third tactic in verses 4. There's a specific denial, okay, with uh, sin, okay? Uh, and also verses 4, uh, 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 verses 5, now there's a fourth tactic. What is that? The fourth tactic is now... Satan assert things that is not found in God's word. Okay. Okay. Girls, this, uh, sit down and listen to me. So we're in Genesis chapter three. Okay. Uh, so we're looking at the tactic of Satan. Okay. So what is his first thing he does first? Is he what? Does he directly attack God's word in the beginning? He no. So, so he questioned. Okay. Then the second thing is he what? Directly deny. Okay. And then third one is he denies the consequences of sin. Okay. Do isn't that often the case? Is whenever you see movies or ads, uh, we're promoting things that are sinful. There's never what any bad consequences. Okay, and then the fourth tactic is now Satan says something that's clearly not in God's word. In other words, Satan's now final strategy is he's going to assert things not found in God's word. Look with me in verses five, Genesis three five, Genesis three five. Uh, Nancy, would you be able to read that? For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay. Did anywhere... Uh, so Satan now says God... Uh, he's now speaking on behalf of God. He says, God knows, you know, you eat of this fruit. And then he says what? When you eat this fruit, what will happen? What will happen, guys? When he, when he tells them, when you eat of this fruit, what will happen to them? You'll be like God. And what else, Caleb? You'll know good and evil. You know, good and evil, okay? But God's word says what? Uh, did God's word ever say you'll be like God? No. Neither. No, okay? Uh, so you see, by the way, there's two ways to be like God. So there's a right way and a wrong way. There's a creaturely way to be like God, which include what? Being holy, right? Because I am holy. Uh, being patient because God has been what? Patient. Forgive because who forgives? God, right? But there's also attributes of God that He cannot give to us, right? What are some of those attributes that we don't have because we're creatures? Yeah, we cannot be all knowing, okay? We cannot be what? Uh, the one that decides what is right and wrong, okay? Because we can't we're creatures. be in five places at the same time. Yeah, we're not all present, exactly, all, kind, all, all of that, okay? So now He asserts in a way, I think what He's trying to say is being like God, not in a creaturely good way. But in a way that what? Usurp God's role as what? As God. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's his tactic. And everything he says in verse 5 is not what God himself says. Okay. So when most of the time, if, if someone comes up to you and directly contradicts God's word, most of you guys will be like, whoa, that just escalated quickly, right? Mm-hmm. I think all of us kind of in our mind has like um, filters of danger, right? Most mm-hmm. of us walk around, life is what? White. <coughs> 
Then we see some things like yellow sign, orange, right? And then red is like, uh-oh, we're in danger, okay? But what, if, if, if Satan goes right away, say, hey, eat of this fruit and you will know good and evil. And you'll be like God. You'll be like, whoa, goes from white to red. You're like, whoa, what happened, okay? But what Satan does oftentimes is we, he will what? Subtly begin first the tactic of questioning God's word. Then asserting that it's opposite, then denying there's consequences of sin, and finally saying something that God's word did not say at all. Does that make sense? So we need to know his tactics. Should we, by the way, be careful? Yeah. By the way, it's a- application. Satan always attacks us all the time. You guys realize that? So the way we fight it is we're using what? Right here. What do I hold? Using his word. word. So when Satan comes over and says, hey, God says this. Or some other person says, you know what, this is what God would approve. You would know what? God, okay? And we should always be reading God's word because we're always in spiritual warfare, okay? Right now, even the news, right? You heard the news today? Uh, in Iraq, uh, Iraq? What happened to, in Iraq? Okay. Yeah, okay. Now, do you guys think that there's, uh, last few days, do you guys think the military was just sitting down doing nothing? Or do you think they're actually trying to think of, hey, there might be, it's yeah. preeminent any time. That we need to have some kind of system in place, perhaps, of, of defense, right? Maybe it's not all set up, but there's just a general what, mentality. By the way, that's us, too. Every day, who's waging a war against us? Satan. Okay? And it's demonic beings. And this is why we must read God's Word to actually know it from it being, what, twisted up. Does that make sense? Yeah, it Okay, let's go to truth number two. We see from Genesis, if the first truth is there's a spiritual or unspiritual being that wants to attack our relationship with God. Truth number two is this. The fall and our sin is a result of not handling God's word carefully. Okay, let me say this again. The fall and our sin is a result of not handling God's word carefully. Okay, with this, uh, we're going to see there's a direct relationship with a low view of God's word and the fall into sin. Okay, by the way, I think if you have a high view of God's word, it will help you not fall into sin. Okay? But at the same time, if you have a very low view of sin, that will lead you to, to all kinds of what? trouble. Okay? The end of Genesis 3 shows us terrible consequences of sin and its impact on relationship with God and on Adam and Eve's marriages and children. But how did Adam and Eve get there? We're going to examine how Eve began with shifting opinions about God's Word. Okay? Let's first begin by looking at Genesis 2, 16 to 17. Genesis 2, 16 to 17. Abigail, would you be able to read verse 16? And Rebecca, read verse 17. Again, Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17. Okay? We're going to look at these verses because this is what God commanded and prohibited. Okay? And the Lord said, And the Lord commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may Notice in verse six, uh, 16, what is read, the verse emphasized the abundance of God's generous provision, right? He says, from any of the tree of the garden you may freely what? Eat, right? He didn't, basically you can eat everything except for how many? One, okay? Or true if you think about the tree of life, but I think that was later to be given, okay? But of course man messed it up and that was not taken, okay? Uh, so, the prohibition, by the way, is also quite limited, Okay? In verses 17, it says, A tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Okay? By the way, the word knowledge, okay, uh, let me clarify this. I know uh, last month uh, I saw some of our guys had this discussion. Um, knowing tree, good and evil. Did Adam and Eve know what is right and wrong even before they ate of this? Yes, I think so. Because when God says word, this is wrong, it's wrong. When God says this is right, this is right. The word knowledge is one of those words that are really, really what? There's different level and there's depths, okay? Um, there's idea, I think the word here, the Hebrew word is yada, is trying to emphasize a personal experience of knowing. For instance, today, if you go to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C., whose house is that right there? What, what is that house called? White House. White House, okay? You knock on the front door, 
well, if you can get to the front door, there's a gate, right? Well, let's just say you go to the front entrance and say, hey, I know Donald Trump. Let me come in. Their question is going to be what? We don't know you, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's different way of knowledge of knowing, okay? Uh, we know intellectually he's president, but that doesn't mean you know him in a personal relationship way. Does that make sense? Okay, so in the same way, in light of all of this, uh, this is you saying. Go to John McCarthy and knock on his house. Yeah, and then you'll say, "Do I know you?" <laughs> okay. Does John McCarthy security detail? Yes, he does. Uh, he does. Uh-huh. Uh, they, people have tried to rush him uh, up, up, up on the stage before. Okay. Actually, his um, pulpit is bulletproof. Yeah, uh, with that. Okay, uh, so. Um, you know, even going to seminary, eventually over a year, there will always be some weirdo uh, do something weird, uh, mm. rush the stage or whatever, okay? Um, so, uh, verses 17, uh, they call it uh, temple guards, the security there, <laughs> okay? Um, I like the name embassy guards, you know why? Uh, you guys know who protect embassies usually in our U.S. embassies? Which service? I know I'm biased. Secret service? The Marines actually oh, protect okay. that, Okay. Uh, but usually in small group, it's very few. Okay, uh, 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 I mean the, the State Department have their own security detail also as well. Okay, uh, but in terms of like the the one branch um, is there, and I, I like the name Embassy Guard because what we're all ambassadors for Christ. Okay. Anyways, let's go back on. Uh, here we see the prohibition is very limited; just only one tree. Okay, and notice God's word is very clear on the consequences. Verse seventeen, second half. What is the consequences, Josh? What did God say? Yeah, okay. Now, Eve's first response to the serpent concerning God's word. Remember, the serpent first went and asked, What did God's word say? No, let's go turn with me to Genesis 3 now, verses 2 to 3. We're going to see how Eve's first response is concerning God's word, okay? Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 2 to 3. Could I have Josh read verse 2? And then, Mr. Byrne, could you read verse 3? Thank you. The wind said to the serpent from the fruit of the trees of the garden of we may eat. The, from the fruit of the tree which is the middle of the garden God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die yeah okay notice uh, here is we saw already Genesis 2:16 and 17 but I think there's a softening of God's goodness in Eve's response okay mm-hmm. uh, she does not mention the tree of life or all else that she could eat okay mm-hmm. uh, remember this a serpent's question is what earlier is saying like uh, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Okay, uh, she doesn't emphasize that. Okay, uh, Eve even expanded God's prohibition by saying God has prohibited from even touching. According to verse three. Okay, um, and then Eve also downplayed the consequences. You see already here, uh, God's word already makes it clear you will surely what die. But Eve does not mention this. Okay, she just merely report you will die. I think the word surely is very very important. Is emphasize certainty. Okay, it is only after she sees. So up to this point, like she's technically not wrong, but she's not emphasizing the way God is emphasizing. Okay. By the way, I think that's the same thing. We also not just only want to be merely right, but what? Also emphasize what God what? Emphasize. Okay. Let's just say, for instance, you really know your end time view. Okay. So, but every Sunday you always talk about the rapture. Okay. Every Sunday, you a rapture. You don't allow people to be your church member unless they they had the same view of the rapture, right? The very first thing you feel is that you have to put a big, huge R for membership form. Now, let's just say that is for some reason you really know it's right, but is that emphasizing what God's emphasizing the most? No, right? God's word from Genesis to Revelation is not emphasizing that. Does that make sense? Or you say, oh, you have to be premillennial. Okay. Now, I do think is premillennial is correct, but at the same time, premillennial. The view of the end time, the millennium, is found where? Yeah, you can say it's six times in the uh, book of Revelations 20, but that's in Revelations 20. But that's not the main, main thing. So you want to emphasize what? What what God's word emphasizes. Does that make sense? Okay. So here we see, uh, in light of this, okay, uh, we should see the danger, okay, of not studying or knowing God's word with careful observation or emphasize what God wants to emphasize, okay? Uh, emphasize what God wants to emphasize, okay? Truth number three, the fall is a result when we idolize what we want over God's word, okay? So the true the fall is also a result when we idolize what we want over God's word, okay? Mm-hmm. This is going to be found in verses six. Verses six, uh, 
Caleb, would you be able to read Genesis 3 6? When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Yeah, okay. Remember earlier I said there's a direct relationship with low view of God's word and once what? Falling into sin, right? And problems in life or marriages or relationship with God, okay? Notice this is Eve's second response now to God's word, okay? Notice how Eve's view has changed. Remember earlier she's quoted God's word? Um, maybe not emphasize everything God's emphasizing, but notice how God's view changed. Her view has changed, I mean, uh, that goes against God's word, okay? Uh, earlier the tree was what? You will die. But now she saw her view is quote unquote evolving. You're right. She now saw the tree is good for what? Now good for food. Okay. Tree now is also a delight to her what? Eyes. Okay. She said, hey, this looks good. Right. And by the way, it's a false view. Just because something looks good, it must be yours. Okay. That's the problem that we have with our appetite, our sinful appetite today okay there's also a third problem of changing view she had tree is now desired to make one what wise okay uh, but going against God's word is that wise no. yeah it is unwise okay so now she's idolizing what she's no longer putting God as first but what does she put above God now her desire specifically wanting this what this fruit she's thinking this is Promising, going to be a big promise to her for many things. It will be delightful to her eyes. She'll eat it and be wise. And all of this, in other words, she has idolized what? This fruit, okay? Uh, so therefore she ate of it, and therefore what? Sin has entered into humanity, okay? By the way, uh, I know if you read Romans, it mentioned about what? Adam. Adam's sin. Some of us might read this and start thinking, blame the woman okay but I actually think um, in the Hebrew word when it says uh, keep like uh, you know you see in Genesis 2 right God is calls Adam to keep the garden right I think that word Shemai in Hebrew actually a better way is protect okay if Adam's job is to protect the garden does that mean he's going to be eating this fruit from Eve when uh, Eve told her hey there's someone to, to disobey God if he to protect the garden what, is, what should he do kick out the Serpent. Does that make sense? And also use God's word, hold fast, and correct any misinterpretation. Okay. So I actually think uh, I know. Um, you know, my mom. Before I was a Christian, my mom would say like, "Yeah, when I came to America, I went to churches, and people would say this." But she would tell me like, "Oh, it makes no sense. Eating this one fruit, how bad could it be? Ruin everything." But I think to me, it's not just eating one fruit that's the biggest thing. It's actually Adam what fell from his role of requiring to protect his wife. Protecting the garden and protecting all of God's what? Creation. Okay? And yet he messed that up what? Pretty royally. Sure. Okay? So it's more of a neglect of negligent of duty. Okay? A dereliction of duty. Not so much of just eating one small little fruit. Okay? So that's the symbolism of what? Of a dereliction of duty. Of already having a wrong mindset that result in bringing about the fall okay so now with this description of the fall we're going to see what's the result of the fall okay we're going to see six truths six results from the fall how many of these okay now these six i'm going to be i got this actually from this one book okay uh but in the use of the scripture is my own it just uh, this book just kind of grocery list them but this is where the verses you know handling the scripture uh, points from the scriptures from myself okay so truth number one is this man lost his original righteousness since from this point on man is sinful okay turn with me to Romans 519 okay open up to Romans 519 and then, uh, we will be now looking at all various scripture but we will come back uh, our second point we'll look back at Genesis 3 okay um, Romans 519 okay Josh you look like your eager beaver to read Romans 519 you want to read Romans 5.19 when you're ready? For as though through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of one man, that the one many will be right, made righteous. Yeah. 
So we see in uh, in this verse, right? Is through one man everyone has been made what? Sinner. Okay. This is not only true for Adam. This is true for what? Everyone that follows after what? Adam. Okay. Uh, by the way, there's even some people today uh, that are in seminars and they want to be academic and they want to be based on science. They even say things like, oh, there was not an Adam. Okay? There's not an Adam. But that also affects our view of sin. Okay? Uh, one that I think is pretty famous is Peter Enns. Okay? He even wrote a book saying, you know what? There might not be an Adam because in evolution, there might have been multiple kinds of what? What do you call Different animals, chimpanzees or apes, that kind of evolve, okay? But then at the same time, in light of his belief, do you think he has a high view of sin? Or do you, have a, do you think he has a biblical view of sin? No. Yeah. So his standard, what is right and wrong, is what? Evolving. So then you see he goes by what? What's popular opinion instead of what? So I think this is why you, we have to have a biblical view of the fall, okay? And this guy's embracing all kinds of things, right? He thinks we're just narrow-minded, all that other thing, okay? Uh, conserve value, all, all that kind of thing, okay? So we see this is very important, okay? Man has lost its original righteousness from this point onward. Truth number two. What does the outline say? Truth number two is? Um, truth number two? Truth number two. Is, uh, as a result of the fall, is um, man lost communion with God and was banished from his presence, okay? Man lost what? Communion with God and was banished from his presence okay turn to what scripture genesis 3 23 to 24 okay let's turn to genesis 3 23 to 24 genesis 3 23 to 24 okay um actually could we have rebecca read genesis 3 23 and then abigail read the next verse verse 24 okay just read whenever you get there Good, okay. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of to the tree of life. Yeah. By the way, the word guard here is the same one that's used elsewhere to keep the garden, okay? Uh, it's the same Hebrew word, Shemai. That's why I interpret it in light of this. You see, because man cannot keep the garden or guard it, therefore what? God now has someone else take over that position, okay? Uh, which is what? The cherubim, okay? So if you look at here, there's consequence. Man was kicked out of where? Garden of Eden, okay? Garden of Eden, okay? By the way, I think uh, Garden of Eden, uh, I think sometimes in our mind when we think something's perfect, that means it's all static, okay? Um, in the new heaven, new earth, will that be perfect? Will that be perfect? Yeah, new heaven, new earth, okay? But it will no longer be a garden. Do you know, remember what it will be? It will be a city, okay? A, yeah, a big cube, new Jerusalem city, okay? Um, so I think even with the beginning of the garden, it wasn't just only going to be a garden. God wanted what? Eventually things to be built. That kind of thing. Okay? Now where uh, uh, Tower of Babel messed up is they're doing it for their own glory. Does right. that make sense? The city of man. But city in itself is not wrong as we see uh, with that. And gardens are not wrong also as well. They're all what? In God's perfection. Okay? Josh, do you have a question? Uh, when I was reading uh, the creation, when the, the Garden of Eden, he also created like four rivers, right? Yeah. Those four rivers, okay. I tried to like spot it on the map, and like I saw there's the Euphrates and the Tigris, but I didn't yeah, see that. Yeah, I don't see the other two, yeah. I think because of the flood, the geography might have changed also, as well, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. I think after the flood, also, God probably removed or, or took away entrance to the Garden of Eden, also, as well, mm -hmm. uh, with that, okay. Uh, unless you really want to drive all over the desert of Iraq looking for it, okay. Um, yeah, so two of the rivers we could identify, Tigris, Euphrates. The other two, I think, was it Pison and, um, I forget which other one. Uh, yeah, it's it's no longer, uh, you know, we could find it. Okay, with that. 
And by the way, geography always changes, right? Okay. There's places that mm. could be riverbeds, and yet uh, over time, what happened? Um, the river dried up and disappeared. Mm. Kind Mountains of, still the same. Yeah. Mountains do change too, right? Mount Everest is actually taller than when it was first found, they say. But then they don't. They're, but then they're also not sure if that's because the measurement back then it was not as accurate, also as well. Okay. Um, you know, the Earth is always changing, right? Moving, uh, uh, geography, that kind of thing, right? The Earth moves, shakes, that kind of thing. Okay. So third consequence is man's whole nature was affected. So our whole nature has been affected by the fall. Our mind, heart, and what? Will. Okay. So all of that is now tainted by what? Sin. Okay. I think uh, maybe down the road we'll cover also how sin affected all parts of us. Okay. Um, which actually the uh, in theology we call that total depravity. Okay. Total depravity is different than other depravity. Other depravity means uh, you're gonna when you're bad you're gonna be as worse as possible. You're gonna be like. You're going to be like Hitler every day, every single second. That's not total depravity. That's other depravity. Total depravity means every part of us is affected. But does that mean we're always as bad, as wickedly as possible as we can? No, because of what? God's uh, grace holding back us, okay? Um, because even if Jesus says what? Even you who are wicked knows how to give good things to your what? Kids, right? Who of you, if your kids ask for a bread, will give him what? A snake. You get the idea, okay? Um, so total depravity is different than utter depravity, okay? Or, 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 yeah, okay? So let's go over, man's whole nature is now affected, okay? Uh, man's mind, has it been affected by sin? Yes. yes, okay? Turn with me real quick to Romans 8, verses 7 to 8. Josh, could you read Romans 8, verses 7 to 8? Romans 8, verses 7 to 8. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Okay, good. Okay, so notice it says in this verse, right? makes it very clear that the mind is set on the flesh and is what? Hostile towards who? God. God, okay. Second thing, it also does not what uh, it does not desire to subject itself to the law of what God. It doesn't like God's law. It's bored of God's law, and it's more than bored. It also what people hate also God's law and ways. Okay, so you see this. Okay, so minds uh, our human minds has been what warped, been affected by sin as a result of fall. Also, man's will. Okay, man's will is what is we mean by will is what your center that has a wish. A want or desire, okay? And the faculty that makes decision, okay? Uh, man's will, is it been affected by sin? Yeah. Turn with me to Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Uh, Kaylee, would you be able to read that uh, two verses? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God make it made it evident to them. Yeah. So do you see this? Their mind should know there is a God. But what does man do? They their will is trying to what? Suppress it. Okay. Uh, I was actually seen on Facebook. Where Australia, you guys know, is pretty secular compared to America, okay? But then this guy was going around asking people, I didn't see the whole thing, um, asking people, like, why are you praying? And all these people are praying, saying, because what? Oh, because we can't control things, right? So I think man's nature is always we suppress that, okay? But that suppression is a will, okay? Does that make sense? Our sinful, our mind actually knows God, but yet we try to mess up our mind. But yet our will is also what? Tainted by sin okay our will basically is a center within us that has what uh desire wants and decision okay um i want to say this also as well for calvinism uh, i know sometimes people think calvinism thinks everyone is a robot uh, that's hyper calvinism okay uh, but we are actually are real beings we have a will we have a desire okay when you follow god it's not god following himself does that make sense 
God, God's working through you, but yet you, you do really do exist, okay? You do have a center uh, of desire, wishes, and volition, okay? For that part, about like, considering Christians as robots, is that a common like, misconception people... Yeah, even in philosophy class, uh, when I took philosophy uh, in, in, in community college, is people often think, oh, in light of God's view of God's sovereignty, does that make everyone robots, right? No, it's not. Mm. Like, we do actually have a will, a volition uh, with that, okay? Um, but the more reformed view is that God could guide it, uh, the undercurrent. Does that make sense? Um, with that, okay? And, and God could change it also as well. But yet, it's still you, yourself. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay? So, I mean, it's hard. There's some mystery, okay? Uh, third part is man's sinful behavior gives him the ulterior motivation not to seek God, Okay? So man's sinful um, behavior gives him ulterior motivation not to seek God. Turn with me to John 3.20. John 3.20. Nancy, would you be able to read John 3.20? John 3.20. Okay. The Gospel of John. It's just John by itself. There's no first John, okay? John uh, 3.20. Do you guys need help, Abigail, Rebecca? Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Good, okay. John chapter 3, verse 20. For everyone practicing evil against the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Yeah. Thank you so much. Notice there's a connection between sinful behavior and how they feel towards God, right? And Christ. Everyone who does evil, how do they feel about their in their will and their feelings about the light? They hate it, okay? Notice the reason why people with sinful behavior does not want to seek God. Such an individual says, quote, does not come to the light for fear that his deed will be exposed. Okay? Now, how do you know someone... Uh, by the way, you guys realize that God has made it where we're always a slave of something and we're free from something, right? Mm-hmm. If you are a slave of sin, you will love what? Sin. And you will hate the idea of godliness, okay? And God, and to do what is right. But if you are now new nature... You also be a slave of what? God. You're not perfect, but there's a point, there's somewhere deep down inside, you will hate what? Sin. Okay? You will say, hey, that is not a good thing. I don't want that. I struggle. You know, there's times you want it, but yet there's a battle within. But ultimately, in the end of the day, right, you, you do want to please God. Does that make sense? Okay? So let's go to truth number four. Uh, man is now conscious of guilt and shame. Okay? Let's turn back uh, to Genesis 3.10. Uh, Josh? Yeah, Genesis 3.10. Okay. Genesis 3.10. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked but hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Yeah. So you see here that man is now conscious of what? Guilt and shame. Okay. Uh, by the way, I think uh, my view is there is a biblical area for shame. Uh, like if you do something bad, you should feel what? Shameful. Okay. Because we sometimes live in a day and age where. Uh, our TV and talk show thinks the idea of shame or psychology thinks the idea of shame is always bad. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean the feeling of shame is something you would desirable, right? But at the same time, there is a biblical view of shame. Okay? When you sin, you should be shameful. But by the way, that shame is not an end goal. It should be the means to drive us to who? To God, to be forgiven. Does that make sense? Okay? Um, so... And I think what our world is trying to do today is trying to make everything what? Shameless. Okay? Right. Every abomination, every wicked thing is made to be what? Hey, don't shame it, right? Uh, don't shame it. And, but yet, there's an irony, too. Uh, God is hardwired. It's just the same thing I told you about the freedom and slavery uh, paradox, right? If you're free from something, you're always a slave to something. If you're slave to something, you always want to be free from something, right? And you're free from... Uh, to There's also the paradox too Because when they say like Shame and shameless Guess what happened When our The world today In the LGBTQIA world When they want everything to be shameless what, Is it really true That they have no idea Of the paradigm of shame And not shame No, no. They still do They try to shame those that what 
that hold to biblical standard of what? Morality, Morality okay? Right, right. So they still sneak it back in, okay? Still, mm. They still sneak it back in, okay? Um, so with that, so man is conscious of guilt and shame, okay? Uh, truth number five, man has now become a subject to physical death, okay? Genesis 3.19. Uh, let's open up to Genesis 3.19. Genesis three nineteen. Yes. Uh, let's have Caleb. Would you be able to read Genesis three nineteen? By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For your dust, with the dust you shall return. Yeah. This verse says that man will die. Mm-hmm. But by the way, God is gracious. We should die right away. Mm-hmm. But did God show His grace even here? University? Mm-hmm. Yeah, long-suffering. Allow Him to still live. But it, it still says God's word is true. Right. You will die because from dust you're made and dust you will go mm-hmm. back. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that's a, another consequence of what? Sin. Okay? Man is subject to physical death. Okay? Then the last part. The last part. Uh, what's the last truth? If you guys follow the outline, what's the last truth? The last truth? Yeah, man becomes subject to spiritual death. It's not just only physical death, but spiritual death. Let's turn with me to Ephesians 2 1. Ephesians 2 1. Okay. Nancy, would you be able to read Ephesians 2 1? And you he made alive Yeah. This is, we're going to eventually get to Ephesians for Sunday, uh, to this part, okay? But here we see man is subject to what? Spiritual death, okay? Because this is saying that you were dead and you're, this is what you're saying to the Ephesians church. Paul is saying, your BC days, before Christ, mm-hmm. you were spiritually dead in your sin and trespass. Then God made you what? Alive, okay? So there's a sense where we're spiritually dead. We're spiritually dead to the things of God. That's why God has to what? Open up our hearts so we will be able to what? To respond to Him. Okay? Um, so we see all of this are the consequences of sin. Okay? Uh, we're going to be looking at this. I'm actually kind of excited because uh, the last few, uh, this last month, I've been actually learning a bit more uh, various things by God's providence. I really want to go over about sin. I can't wait to even go over. So I'm going to be uh, going over um, the next few weeks. I don't know what's the right order or what's the order I'll have arranged, but I'm going to look at even the Hebrew words for sin, the Greek words for sin. The other thing I want to look at is actually the topic of hardening hearts. And I think it's actually pretty ironic, okay? We're going to go back to Exodus and we're going to see that there's a sense where God is actually humor um, when it says God um, hardened. Some of us might not, uh, uh, it might not be what we think, some of us. I mean, it's a bad thing. But, you know, when God hardens, sometimes we think, well, why would God be so mean? But there's a sense we're going to see God, what the original context, what the Egyptian mean, is the opposite. And God's going to turn it around and say, hey, you want to have a hardened heart? You think that's a good thing? Well, we're going to see how ironic that is, okay? And turn it around on them at the table. Okay? So we'll be, uh, I'm super excited for the next few weeks. And eventually to go and see, what? The deeper of God's grace, okay? With that. Uh, with this, let me stop here.